This is the ID Fanatic Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Midtown Toronto on Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. The podcast where we talk to real instructional designers for one half hour about their lives, their careers, and how they keep it all together. My guest today is Teresa Rose, an award-winning people development consultant and the director of Consultware Limited, based in South Derbyshire, UK. Teresa, hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mitch. Great to be here. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's been a. I've had a, a day off today, so I have done some chores and uh, walked the dog to get my daughter from school. So a, a nice, a nice day off. Thank you. Excellent. And you? it's. Uh, you, you said it's becoming spring-like there. I did. Yeah, it, it's very nice. It's my favorite season of the year. Um, so it is becoming more spring-like. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. nice, Where does spring nice look like in? South Derbyshire. Well, they, 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 I live on a, a tree-lined street, so it's nice to watch the seasons by these old trees that are there. From I live on a road called Springfield Road, so uh-huh. it used to be um, all part of a farm. So there's a lot of trees that have been left from when it was farmland. So my house is built in the 1930s, 35, I think. So it's there's a lot of blossom coming through now, and my uh, rhododendrons come through in the garden the last couple of days as well. So it's got some nice pink flowers on it to look out of my kitchen window. Now that reminds me, I wanted to ask you about your name. Yes. Yeah, beautiful name. Is there a story behind that? What is the? How did you? It's my married name. I am divorced. Oh. Um, <laughs> but I have kept it because I'm known. I'm known quite well for it in my profession, and it's also I've got two children. So I'm now Ms. Rose rather than Mrs. Rose. Oh, I see. Yeah, so I thought it was too, <laughs> it was too nice to part with. <laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful. And you're yeah. are you from that area of England? I am. I'm born. I'm born and bred in the same town that I that I live in. But I've always travelled for work. So my family. I'm lucky. My parents live down at the bottom of the road. Lucky enough to still have them. My dad's eighty-two. Oh, yeah. My mum's seventy-six. Oh, very, and my very good. My sister's nearby. Uh, my niece has just moved in with her family next door to my parents, and my nephew and his girlfriend live just up the road. So we're all close together. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's really nice. You know, I grew up around the corner from my uh my cousins my first cousins and basically had two houses so you know we were running back and forth all the time yeah it's, it's a it's nice way to grow up it really it, is really it gives is. an extra sort of level of comfort and sociability and stuff you don't have to you know feel like you're all sort of in your own little world that's true yeah and i, I our neighbor is still our good friend so she turned 50 last october so we've been friends since in a way because i'm the oldest of like three of us with her mm-hmm. and then my sister and we're still really close and we used to there was a park over the road from our parents so we would go go across there and be there nearly all day no 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 mobile no, no yeah. phones and come back when we were hungry <laughs> yeah yeah very different from growing up today it is it is so just so my listeners know my two yes. listeners, uh, <laughs> Teresa and I are members of the weekly meetup uh, Global Learning and Development Community, which is at mygldc.org. You're all welcome to join. It's a place where ideas go to hang out and play trivia together. So, uh, Teresa, how did you get involved with uh, the uh, GLDC? Um, I followed John on uh 
LinkedIn who uh, hosts it and runs it and has set, set this up from the goodness of his own heart. He gives a lot to the profession. And I think during COVID, I joined a few groups um, when I lost some of my work um, probably about end of March. Mm. Um, so I decided to, to do things that still sort of lifted my soul and things like that whilst I was looking for more work. And I found that that was one of the most uplifting places to be. And uh, it's a great way to end Friday or for some people to begin Friday because the people join from all over the world and it's it's just getting bigger and bigger. I, f- I find it that way too because we're, we do, we're such an isolationist kind of profession. You, you do yes. your thing and you often work remotely and you don't really uh, encounter other instructional designers even that much. Yeah. And, and nobody knows, you know, nobody knows what we do. <laughs> no. <laughs> How do you introduce yourself at parties? I'm an instructional designer. Hmm. That ends the conversation oh, yeah. quickly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think my parents quite understand what I do either. Yeah. So um, I, try, I do try and explain, but I don't, I don't think that they, they do, no. All right, I want to get on to some of your work. Uh, I see yeah. that you recently won a Brandon Hall Award for a program on digital transformation and innovative ways of working, right? Yes, that okay. was yeah, that was extra special because I won it with the team at DNVGL. They've now become DNV. They are a Norwegian um, company, but they're in a hundred countries, so they've got operations in the states. And um, it was my first freelance gig, oh. uh, so it made it extra sweeter that that first freelance gig ended up winning an award and it was also shortlisted for a learning award as well was this an e-learning uh or was it part of a larger effort or was it by itself um it was um i would say it was a a blended program there wasn't any face-to-face involved and it was a great project and it was the first time as well that the organization had delivered something non-mandatory through a digital means Mm-hmm. So it consisted of daily challenges, and uh, we used social learning a lot as well around it, a lot of campaign-based comms, um, and really used something that's called like the combi model. So it, it consists of it's behavioural science to give people things that are easy to do, kind of middle to do, and then harder to do. But it was non-mandatory, so it was up to people how much they engage with the program, and we, we did quite a lot as well of work as well around um, iterating and changing things as we got feedback, mm-hmm. and also lots around communication and engagement. Wow, sounds yeah. like a, quite a comprehensive sort of uh, project. It was, and we did a lot around data analysis as well. I think that was the other key. Yeah. We had a lot of data beforehand and continued to gather data right through um and i think the organization is still gathering data around that program now as well well that's great i I was looking up you also were in the running for a learning technology award a few years back for a virtual reality game is that right yes yes that's right yeah so that's a different sort of thing it was very different um that was around uh net promoter score and customer customer centricity so that was in my um paid employment i worked for 10 years at um a German energy company called Eon. They're, they're more known right. around Europe, though they did have some operations in the States, never in, in Canada. Um, and it was a change in their strategy to be far more customer-centric, mm-hmm. to put the customer at the heart and be more solutions-focused. What, what a radical idea. 
Yeah, so what, yeah, I know, I know, it's like, why not, before, before the, um, their, their strategy had all been around being the largest investor-owned, private investor-owned energy company in the world, I always thought it, it sounded like some Bond villain who was going to take over the energy world. So what was like the that. game that you developed? It was called, I actually developed two at the same time, um, so it was Eonville was the one that was the international one, and it was a virtual town and we used real customer scenarios. So the team that I've been working with, my stakeholders, run sessions called customer immersion sessions where they brought customers and non-customers into meetings, you know, face-to-face meetings that we don't have at the moment, um, and would ask them questions around the service offering in different situations and what their reactions might be. We were then able to take some of those scenarios and look at what the impact might be on execs decisions for things like price changes or where they might decide to build a new wind farm or what that would do to the organization's net promoter score. So how it's how, likely, how, how likely a how, client yes, is to, yeah, to tell other people about the company. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but we did a lot of work around the qualitative data rather than it being purely you know, the 0 to 10 score. And what we were doing here with these scenarios that we'd taken from the real immersion sessions in the game, dependent on what the choices were that people made, their net promoter score would go up or down. Yeah. Um, based on fact, you know, facts that we we knew. And what we what we found is that the execs enjoyed playing it with their teams. And again, we were able to gather data to show that those areas where they'd gone through this alongside other um, interventions, this was part of a of a program that it impacted positively their decision-making and their net promoter score uh, and their focus on customers in their decisions. Excellent. Um, so you spent 10 years with, with Eon. I did, yeah. And then you recently, kind of, 2019 was it, left yes. to start your own consultancy? What I led did. you to the move to strike out on your own? I've been told by a few people that I ought to. Um, and it's some, something I've always wanted to do, and so I, I just did it. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I, I've, I've got a good network. I felt as well that in Eon I'd got as far as I could go in my career. I mm. spent three years working in Germany on learning transformation on, on quite a large-scale global program, and I, I was really lucky with all the broad experience I got at Eon. I started there as a designer, um, and then worked with other vendors, um, lots of RFP work that I did, different platform work, social learning, compliance, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. people development, leadership development, talent Together. development, yeah, Sounds everything, like, yeah. yeah, probably everything, and an OD work as well, so I got to do some organization development work, um, and I just felt when I came back from Germany and I did a year in the UK that it was time, it was the right time to go, mm-hmm. and uh, voluntary severance came, so that was yeah. what I did, yeah. and that gave me that gave me the support then. Gives you a little bit of a network. window. Yeah, yeah. To so, and then you got the you got the the digital transformation job, which worked yes. out okay, it sounds like. Yes, yes But then at the much, beginning yeah. of the pandemic, you uh, you lost some business, you said? Yeah, I did. I had some smaller clients as well, alongside DNV, um, and I was working on a I'd worked on another project with DNV to take their a face-to-face leadership program and make that digital as well. Yeah. Um, and then I was working on their learning ecosystem and their platform, and also another another smaller client. And unfortunately, because of revenue 
drop in. They both had to let me go and stop the capex investment in new platform, mm-hmm. etc. So um, I, I also mark assignments or was marking assignments at the time. So I always had that as a contingency. So in mm-hmm. the UK, there's the CIPD, which is the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, and I've been a member for I think 2008. I'm a chartered member. And I was an assessor for people that were doing their qualifications in learning and development in HR. So I was able to take on more of that work. So I was lucky that I had that uh, as a contingency plan until I found um, new projects. And then I yeah. got a new project um, through the organisation that John works with, which is Jampan, um, with GlaxoSmithKline, and worked with a really great team there um, up until the end of the year. How do you, how are you, how do you find your new clients? Um, through... Again, through my network, so <laughs> though uh, I've got this work coming up, I'm, I've, I probably would have had a few choices actually about what what I do. Um, I, I suppose I have had opportunities where I've, I've spoken at events, so I've got quite a good um, mm-hmm. social. You know, people know me yeah. in in my field, which I'm. I, I was probably kind of shy about that, I suppose, the networking thing and putting myself out there to present at events and chair because it's mm-hmm. not something I find easy to do, but to get up on stage and speak. I've actually found it far easier to do that virtually than to be up on stage with everybody looking at me. Oh. <laughs> I find it a little scary. Um, so have you I, done some since, uh, since COVID started then? You've done I, some virtual yeah, conferences? Yeah, I have, yeah. So I did um, learning technologies a couple of weeks ago. So I chaired two sessions. One of I chaired Dr. Jane Bozarth's session, mm. um, Dr. Celine Mullins, and then I spoke with my two colleagues that I worked with on at DNV um, and did, did a, session, a session ourselves, the three of us. Um, so for, uh, for, for IDs who are starting out who might be listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, a rec- big recommendation would be sort of... Uh, try and raise your profile and get larger networks is that the best way to move yeah, forward yeah i think it's it's so critical um if and to to nurture that network so i'm very much about giving giving to my network and also uh, any clients that i work with I, off, I i will always be sharing things to help their work beyond what my remit is um, to go in there and the feedback I got both from DNV and from GSK is that I left them as a better team. And that was an extra thing that came out of working with me. That they learned a lot from me. Mm. Um, that's and, terrific. And mm-hmm. that's great. They, they, they remain people that I have kept in touch with me and, and have, you know, became friends. And I'm, I'm very proud that that's been the case throughout my career as well. That what I, because I, uh, working in learning and development is probably my third or fourth career. So yeah. I worked in ed tech sales before I went. Okay, well, so this leads to my next. This leads to my next question. Yeah. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a teacher. Ah. <laughs> so there we go. A school a history, teacher. A history teacher. Yeah. Ah. I, yeah, I love high history. school. Um, I guess it would have had to have been yeah mm. um, to focus on history. It would have had to have been high school. Yeah. So what happened? I dropped out of college, Mitch. I found parties and boys at the age of 17 after studying really hard. And I think I, um, my parents were a bit shocked. And I, I dropped out of college. <laughs> I think our I audience was... is shocked. <laughs> I dropped out of, of college um, after one year because I kept bunking off my um, lectures. 
Wow. Yes. So I I was then a late went to back to college and um, repaired that damage that I'd done in my mid twenties, and then I did an undergrad in my thirties and a masters and a post grad in my forties. You made up for it. You I certainly made, made up for I it. Made that's up for sure. It, later, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a guilt I carried across for years. So yeah. yeah. So did you have to get like a real job after during that? I, um, I worked part time for my auntie in a in her antique business. Ah, there you antique, go. Yeah, and that is where I met the man who would become my first husband and business partner. So I became self-employed at uh, the tender age of just under eighteen, so still just seventeen, and uh, was an antique dealer for about seven years. Hmm. Well, that's a really good place to. Uh develop uh, customer service skills yeah um gosh no end of skills negotiation presentation selling um i used to do the design work when we made bespoke um, items like reclaimed materials oh goodness me i did all the accounts the vat wow uh, so numerous skills everything's cleaning the toilets at the that office sounds like so. a- Sounds like it's a community college course all in its own. <laughs> I think, yeah, it was my payback for not continuing at college. <laughs> um, so you, you studied uh, business and HR management at university? When you, yes. when you went back, how did you end up moving into instructional design? Um, I think it comes from working in, in ed tech. So my favorite three years of that, probably 10 years, was at a company called Immersive Education. And they were set up out of a project with Intel, um, the computer company, and the University of Oxford's educational studies. And they wanted to look at a way that would engage students in Shakespeare to look at the theatricality of it. And they developed a game. The product is called Cartouche, which is, um, it means it's Egyptian for hieroglyphics. Oh, That was the name of the product. The company was immersive. And it... It gave students um, all of the cast from a play, so they they had other Shakespeare plays as well. They developed, but Beth was the first they did all the testing with. It had all of the props. It had your backgrounds, your scenery, and it had a four-track system to put audio. So you, and you could put you could record your own voice on there and put speech bubbles and create scenes, and then you could take those scenes and create either a movie. Um, it had the sound effects in there as well, so it got the students to interpret and role play the play and lift it off the page oh and goodness. do their own interpretation of it. Very high uh, tech. It, it, yeah, incredible. I mean, if you looked at it now, even this was two thousand and three. Yeah. Um, I started there, and if you looked at it now, I would say it far surpasses a lot of the things that was in. It was very, very inexpensive. I think it was a few hundred pounds for a module. Um, if you were to pay for something like that in a corporate world, it would be thousands, Yeah, I, I would guess. Um, but you could imagine it being used, and they never went into the corporate world, which I was quite surprised about, because they, they won a multitude of awards. They won BAFTAs, education BAFTAs. They won BET awards at the Olympia Show, which is the British um, Educational Technology and Teaching Awards. They won a raft of them for their different products. Yeah. Um, they got bought out by a venture capitalist. Um, yeah, bad, bad. Which bad, isn't a bad right. way to go. No, it isn't. Um, <laughs> it isn't a bad way to go. Uh, but it, yeah, it was, and that got me into working with the teachers very much. So I was very much working with the teachers in how they embedded technology 
into their into their curriculum and was training the teachers as well as the sales and I would also get involved in beta testing and working with the educationists that created the context. It was all done in-house. There was nothing that was offshore, all the developers were there. Um, and for that, you know, I'd always had that, ed that inkling, you know, around education, wanting to be a teacher yeah. and I loved the design element of it. Um, and uh, that ended up with me wanting to go down to into that design and design work because I enjoyed that visual aspect of it and working with the software and, and being very creative with it. So I'd push the boundaries with it. Well, it sounds like an exciting introduction to the field. It was. Um, so I want to move on to personal life a little bit. You told us that you, uh, you grew up there and your family's very close. Mm -hmm. Um, as your and, and you, you mentioned a first husband. Is there a second yeah. husband? Yeah, there, there was. Yeah, I got I got divorced um, the first time round at twenty four, um, and then married again just before I was thirty, and then divorced um, after probably about yeah my about I think we were together about twenty years. So, All right, so it sounds yeah, like there's yeah. no kids in the picture. There is, yeah. I have two oh. children. Yeah, I didn't have any children in my first marriage. There's, um, there's two children. So I've got um, my son is seventeen, James. He's studying cybersecurity at the college that I left after one year. He's, he's, he stayed and saw it through. Yeah. So he's in his second year and he finished. But and you know, if he had partied every night, you wouldn't be able to complain. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't tell him about that. I keep that one quiet. So I hope he doesn't listen into this. He's listened to a couple of the other podcasts. I've, done. I've, I've, got a, I've got a daughter who's 10. So I, I, have, I got a, have I got a scoop here? Is that what you're telling me? Um, I think you may have. I think probably only my close <laughs> friends know about this one. Yeah. All right. And your other is a daughter? Yeah, or? I've got a daughter who's 10, Louisa. So she's, she's at what we call here junior school. Yeah. So she's in year, year five. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I have my hands full in a way, yeah. So tell me about your work-life balance. Um, at the moment, I'm in a bit of a hiatus between projects. So I finished a project a few a, a couple of weeks ago, and I've got a one another one in about two or three weeks. Uh -huh. um, but I'm I'm constantly learning. I'm a voracious learner, so I am attending every webinar that I can probably go on that's relevant to my work reading articles yeah. and but, doing a lot of catching up with people that I've not got, not got to speak to for a while. I'm, um, I'm thinking work, about though your, your balancing uh, work. Oh, work. my balance, balancing. Oh, I work out. Cause your, your kids both will live with you, I presume. They do most of the time. Yeah. They spend, most of the time. um, yeah, every time, every other week with their dad and, um, ah. my daughter does a couple of nights in the week and my son one. So I do get some free time ah, uh, yeah. to, uh, to do things that you, you, you can manage to do during covid so I, I work out i used to be in the gym every morning but now i work out in my lounge every morning so i've kept that up and that's a really mm -hmm. important part of my well-being is to keep fit uh, and i got a dog um last october and so walking her as well so i've got a i've got a cockapoo a golden cockapoo um and uh now i can start walking with some of my friends as well so i'm meeting one of my gym friends tomorrow morning for a yeah. walk and so well, yeah, I, I do try and keep my keep my balance there I like to cook which has been yeah. good during uh, during COVID yeah okay so I think you've answered the question the next question which is how do you keep sane how do I keep sane 
Yeah, definitely exercise. Dance. I used to dance. Uh, sal- I danced salsa. I used to dance. I danced salsa and kizumba. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I read about yeah. salsa. You put that in your profile. That must yeah. be Yeah. Um, so I've done a little at home, but it's just not the same. And um, in some ways, I haven't really missed it. I was quite surprised, really, that I've not really missed it. But I listen to a lot of music, so far more than TV, I like mm. Um, listening to music and I probably like to have music on whilst I'm doing some design work etc as well which tends to be chilled house music or deep house music all right so we're learning a lot about (laughs) what it's like to be you yeah (laughs) all right that's the two minute warning to wrap up I like to do these 10 questions that uh, I used to see done now any i guess you wouldn't know but on, on pbs in the states they had a show yeah. called the actor studio ah is that the lee strasberg actor studio? yeah yeah the, to that? okay i'm a big marilyn monroe fan so i know quite a lot about the actors so studio. uh james lipton used to uh do these hour-long interviews with famous people yeah. and ask these 10 questions at the end okay so i thought i would do the same thing that's a great idea. So the idea is they're short questions with, uh-huh. like, uh, short answers and just don't think about it too much. Okay. I'll do my best. Here we go. So what is your favorite word? Serendipity. Mm. I think we're going to compile all these answers at the end, you know, and put them on my website or something because it's quite interesting what people come up with. What is your least favorite word? No. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Um, collaborating with a, a tribe, finding my tribe and collaborating with mm. them. And what turns you off? Uh, overcomplicated complexity and people who don't listen. What is your favorite curse word? Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's, it's got to be the Anglo-Saxon one. The Anglo-Saxon one. It's, it's a little obscure for me. F, F. We're on a podcast. You yeah, can do, I, yeah. You can say I, what you want. but Can I? Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, the F word. All right. <laughs> you call them, why do you call it the Anglo-Saxon one? It's, it's supposed to be from Anglo-Saxon language, isn't it? That's where it's supposed to originate from. Oh, all right. Yeah, that I'm, I might be wrong on my history on that. No, one. you're probably yeah. right. I don't know. Yeah. I just had an urge. Okay, what uh, sound or noise do you love? Oh, I lo- I love um, the sound of the waves, mm. and even rain as well. So I think water, water-related sounds. I'm Very a water popular. Sign, that's maybe why. And what? Well, what sign are you? Scorpio. Um, Pisces. Ah, Close. okay. What sound or noise do you hate? Um, my kids arguing. <laughs> and what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Ooh, um, I'm starting to study coaching, though I have done some in the past, but I, it would be a history teacher. I would love to have done that maybe, yeah. What profession would you not like to do? Um, accountant. All right, and for number 10, uh, we have the, uh, the heaven question. Mm-hmm. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? 
Oh, um, you're a good soul. Very good. All right, that's it. How are you, how do you feel? Good. That was really enjoyable. It went very quickly, didn't it? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I hope I did okay for you. Yeah. Yes, you certainly did. Thanks for coming. And it was nice meeting you virtually. The ID Fanatic drops every Tuesday at noon Eastern time. I hope you're inspired to subscribe. To get notices of upcoming episodes, sign up at idfanatic.mykajabi.com slash opt-in. You'll also get a free gift of my instructional design cheat sheet. You can contact me, Mitch Moldovsky, on LinkedIn. And I hope that you and yours... Have a totally awesome week. Bye, bye, bye.